This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top tier lineup. With Leap Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, you are listening to the Blue Monday podcast. This is a three-times weekly audio show looking into the exciting happenings of Ipswich Town Football Club. My name is Benjamin Bloom. I'll be here each and every Friday for the Blue Monday preview show with a special guest to get their inside of view on the next opponents for Ipswich Town. Here we are, more on time than last week. Again, apologies for the lack of leads last week, but hopefully the Sunderland on Tuesday um, made it up. And this guy should be a little bit more upbeat than um, our Leeds fan and our Bolton fan because it's Bristol City this Saturday. So on the other end of Skype, ladies and gentlemen, the author of the Exiled Robin blog, Mr. Paul Binning. How are you doing, Paul? Very good. Thank you, Ben. Wonderful. And where can our listeners find your work? Tell us a bit about the blog and where can they read um, a lovely balanced opposition view of Ipswich Town this weekend? Huh, certainly my view. Yeah, it's a try to be a balanced blog. Um, I'm actually uh, living near Cardiff through work for the last 13, 14 years. So my Twitter handle is at the Exiled Robin and the blog is exiledrobin.blogspot.com. Wonderful stuff. And what about Twitter, Paul? And yeah, at the Exiled Robin. Oh, did you say that already? Sorry. I did, yes. So <laughs> much attention. I no worries. Terrible, terrible. Right, what we normally do is we go back to last season just to get a bit of context for the last, um, the last times we played. And this is one of those, um, it annoys me this actually, where they put two, we had this with QPR as well, they put both games in the same month yeah. because it's kind of like if you're in a, you know, it's, it's nice to see you play another team in two different moments, isn't it? But it was actually 27 days apart, the two games. So the first game we need to go back to is Ashton Gate, 3rd of December 2016. Um, it was a 2-0 win. For Bristol City, um, Abraham does but for a penalty and Tomlin, with a very interesting run-up, sticks it in the corner. Uh, Freeman with a brilliant volley um, in the second half. Um, what are your memories of, of that one, Paul? Um, I think the main memory of that game, to be honest, for Bristol City fans, is it was our 
only win in a run of about 12 games. Um, we'd started the season really well. We'd, uh, I remember we'd gone to Fulham and 1-4-0. We'd beaten Nottingham Forest, we'd beaten Blackburn, we'd beaten Leeds. We'd had a really good run of games and we were up at fifth in the league at one point. Um, we'd, we'd just started to lose our way a little bit, like a couple of games before we played you at the start of December. But yeah, I think hopes were high that after that win, we'd be back on track. But um, as it was, we lost the next eight games. Um, we then lost, we lost something like 11 out of 13 following that and plunged from, you know, playoff contenders to relegation threatened team in the space of sort of six to eight weeks. So, um, yeah, yeah, that game probably says a lot, actually, the fact that Tomlin and Freeman scored. I mean, Freeman went to QPR in January. Tomlin didn't play a lot more. I'll I'll come come talk about the next game afterwards, but after the next game. And, uh, it was a little bit of a, I guess, almost a, a little ray of hope in a really, really poor run for us at that point in the season. But why, why is that? Because as an opposition fan, you always look for the players who can dribble and pass and play through balls yeah. and stuff. And you'd look at Freeman and Tomlin and you'd say those were those two players. Why, why did they kind of, um, you know, from there, like you said, just kind of get frozen out? Yeah, I think Tomlin's, I think Tomlin's more easy than the other one. I'll, I'll, again, I'll, I'll leave him to, be honest, to talk about the next game because I think that was a, a real key moment for him him as well um freeman i don't know i think a lot of people were surprised by him i think he's, he's gone on and do, he seems to be doing quite well at qpr he played really he's, well against us paul a couple of weeks yeah, ago he, yeah. He, he's not he's he what he doesn't have is the pace but now you see the side that lee johnson's building and you see what we've got in our armory this year freeman hasn't got that pace and neither tomlin he every single forward now has pace real pace and i don't think there. i think there could have been a role for luke freeman certainly to to feed that pace pace and be creative and unpick defences but I think at the time he was in and out of the team a little bit um, but no but magical player he was superb for us in our promotion season absolutely superb and it was quite we always look back now because actually that season him and Deli Ali were by far the two best players in the division um, yeah he Ali playing for MK Dons at that time and Freeman probably just about got a nod over him as the player of the season and you know a year year and a half later and you see where Deli Ali is and Luke Freeman was being ousted Shoved back to West London. So, really, really strange anomaly, I think, Luke Freeman. But um, as I say, we'll talk more about Tomlin, I'm sure, in a sec. Okay. And um, you mentioned that it came, like, in the middle of this, this run. And we, we kind of had a bit of a laugh last season that if anyone was on a bad run, um, go, you know, go play Ipswich and you'll end your bad run. <laughs> um, what, just um, play crystal balls for me. If you change that W to an L in the column... Um, do you think Johnson would have lasted to the end of the season? Um, yeah, I think I do. And, um, only because I think one, yeah, so one win in eleven defeats out of twelve. In some ways, it almost doesn't matter about one win, does it? I think that that they were sticking by him. I think there were some signs of improvement towards the end of that run, which is probably what just about saved his job. We got, a, I mean, beyond, yeah. January, we got a draw against Sheffield Wednesday. We just won at Rotherham, which was a really critical game, obviously, bear in mind where they were in the table. And we went 3-0 up and eventually drew at Derby. But I think you know, the signs were there, and I think that's what saved him as opposed to you know, potentially one result, which was actually near the start of a run. So, yeah, I think he he probably would have survived. Not many probably wanted him to this, yeah, that time last year. But fair play to the owner. He stuck by his guns, and, and results are bearing fruit now. Tell us a bit about the owner. Is he independently wealthy, or is he is he is he business links or what? Yeah, happens? he's he, uh, he's probably well. I've, 
some will criticise him. He's probably one of the best owners in the league. So he's a he's a local guy. Um, Steve Lansdowne, he's half Hargreaves Lansdowne, the FTSE 100 investment company. Um, so self-made billionaire, uh, billionaire with his partner Peter Hargreaves. Oh yeah, he's he's in the top, God knows whatever, wow. top a couple of hundred people in the country. Um, he spent around about sixty or seventy million on the stadium, completely renovating it from you know stand by stand. We've got a fabulous stadium now, uh, all all laid out for a proper match day experience. They do a lot of the stadium when the football's not on. They've obviously got rugby here now as well, um, but they do a lot of corporate events and speakers, and they've got a business club and a, a bar and a coffee shop and all sorts of stuff that we just didn't have before. Um, and you can now come to Ashton Gate on a match day and. Actually, you can get there at midday and not go home to seven o'clock and be entertained because they have a live band out before the games and after the games, and they've got a fabulous sports bar, with a massive screen, and all the sort of stuff we've just never had before. So he's done a fabulous job, and, he, and he's invested in a team. You know, he's written off roughly ten million pound a year on average for the last six or seven seasons in a non-payable debt. And yeah, yeah, back, backs us to the hilt, backs the managers to the hilt. I think the one criticism fans would have of him historically has been his choice of managers. He's probably Probably chosen some he may have been a bit loyal to, and you could argue Johnson fell into that frame as a family friend of son of Gary Johnson, and Brian Tinian certainly fell into that frame when he was appointed, and Keith Millen. Yeah, but the list goes on. I think he's trying to do the right thing, trying to appoint from within, trying to appoint someone who knows the club, almost probably a nod back to the Liverpool sort of boot room days. But maybe they, some of those guys haven't quite been ready at the time when he put him in, and that's where he's faced most of his criticism from fans. But yeah, fans. Fabulous owner. I don't think very, very, very few fans will stop him for anyone, to be honest. When did he um, actually um, take it on board? When did he start? Oh, that's a good question. Um, early 2000s sometime. I couldn't tell you exactly when. Oh, so... so he's been, we've been up and down a couple of times. So he was there when we went up in 2007 and got to Wembley in 08. And he's a, he's a first to admit we got a bit carried away after that. And he, he threw a lot of silly money at stuff. We signed David James and Nicky Hunt and people like that and... It was a yeah, it was an all round disaster. We got relegated with a massive wage bill, and it, he's admitted he's he got that wrong. He got a bit carried away about the prospect again in the Premier League, and he's trying to do it differently this time and build up through youth and young players and players who've got the value to their contracts. And it's there's a really good buzz around the club, really good feeling all around. This is really really fascinating me because everybody listening to this is going to be comparing this guy to Marcus Evans, <laughs> and so much of what you said is actually very similar in that came along, um, spent a load of money on Roy Keane and Tamas Priskin and David mm-hmm. Norris and uh, Lee Martin and whatever. Yeah. Um, pulled the reins in. The other thing you said that was similar is Evans claims that he props up to the tune of about six million um, a year as well, just to keep things kind of ticking over. The big difference in what you said, um, and forgive me for sounding patronising, is that I think we were already built. Um, I think we already had the stadium and everything. So a lot of what you said was already there and can't be levelled at um, Evans. I'm just, I'm just trying to put my finger on the positivity um, from you as compared to the negativity from our end and what, what makes... Have you, got, have you got any suggestions? What makes you so much more positive about your guy than we would be about Evans? Or is it just, the you know, again, with respect, the histories of the of the two clubs and we're just a bit more spoiled um, and snobby. I think it's, well, I guess two or three things possibly. You've obviously been in the Premier League and we haven't. I think, you know, there's a, there's a yearning for us, but there's a, 
I don't know if there's possibly still a semi-expectation for you guys that you should be up there. And, you know, especially as Norwich have been up and down a couple of times. I'm sure that, you know, greats as well. I think the fact that I think a lot of people looking in from the outside would say Mick McCarthy's done a fabulous job there on a, on a limited budget. And I know not all the fan base, maybe until this season, have been in, a, in the same vein of thought. Um, you know, maybe there's a feeling that he's stuck with him too long and it's all a bit just turgid and, and, and boring or whatever the right wording might be. Um, I think we're still sort of on an upward curve from promotion, although we had a couple of slightly dodgier years. I think that's, you know, we're still building a side and a squad up to get up and challenge and you know, bringing in players. The, likes, the players we brought in in the last few years have been young players, quick, lots of pace, lots of attacking dynamism. You know, we've really done that well and, and held off, apart from Fakodja, um, we've, you know, largely held off bids for our best players as well. So there's a real... I think there's a real belief in what we're trying to build. It might not always, you know, the, the micro decisions day to day might not always be right, but there's an understanding of what we're trying to build. We're, we're trying to build a young team, lots of attacking intent, lots of pace to take us up to the Premier League. And that might take one year. It might take three or four years. And I'm sure we all want it to be one year, but I think people understand we're trying to progress slowly and build the club. And it's, it's the whole, the whole, um, what's the right word? Sport company now because again a lot of fans don't like this but we're now part of Bristol Sports so that's a rugby club it's for basketball club it's for ladies football um they've got a motorsport element to it and there's a whole Bristol Sport brand being built up so there's no doubt that Steve Landan and the, and the whole Bristol Sport thing would benefit from Bristol City being in the Premier League but City are undoubtedly his number one because the Premier League is what it's all about you know as much as he loves his rugby he's a bit of a rugby man actually at heart um he ain't going to make Bristol, any money out of that, though, is he? But Bristol, no, exactly. Bristol City in the Premier League with crowds of twenty-five thousand is where the money's going to be at. Not, not, not rugby with greater respect. So that's what he's got to get sorted to get to, you know, really, genuinely, I think, leave his lifelong legacy, which he's already done with the stadium. But to get us up there potentially would, you know, would put him right up, right up there, very top. Yeah, I think given what you've said, the the big difference then is that Bristol City fans see it on an upward trajectory, whereas Ipswich fans see it on either a, a slightly downward trajectory or even worse, just a flat, flat line. line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I sense that from a couple of Ipswich fans I know. Sort of just, they'd all, in some ways, they'd almost rather, yeah, sack McCarthy, get someone else in and almost have a relegation battle rather than just be mid-table again. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Just for some excitement. <laughs> um, okay, sorry, we've gone off on a tangent. Um, so let's get back to the return game. So yes, um, only 27 days later in that really dull, boring week between um, Christmas and New Year where nothing's open, um, Bristol City come to Ipswich and Ipswich win 2-1. Uh, Brew gives them the lead from a Tom Lawrence cross. This was actually the start of the Tom Lawrence purple patch where he got a goal or an assist virtually every game for about two months. Abraham manfully played a good game. He pounces to get the equaliser. He had zero service all day, so the fact he scored was a kind of testament to him. Uh, Pittman with the winner with a sort of brilliant overhead kick. My memories of this, Paul, were that Freeman and Tomlin were stuck out wide all game. Wilbraham, who we, you know, as the next Norwich guy, we have an interesting relationship with. They played very long and very straightforward to Wilbraham, and Abraham was just a a nuisance. And you're right, this was now the second half of this run. So it's 14 games, uh, 11 defeats, two draws, and and one win. And this is in the the back end. So this run is now stretching right out. And um, your memories of this one, uh, Paul? 
So yeah, so I must admit, I didn't make this game. Um, I did speak to my parents the other night who uh, did go. Um, yeah, I think absolutely right. We're right in the middle now of a really, really poor run. Um, and by poor, I mean the sort of run that no R- club really Rotherham style expects yeah. to be on. Yeah, it was, and we and yeah, we were worried about. But we genuinely, I know it said a lot, but you couldn't see where the next win was coming from because we were just not in games. We weren't competing, and I think yeah, Tomlin. I'm trying to. Remember we played Wolves on Boxing Day, um, and there were lots of rumours flying around that Tomlin had a huge row with the coaching staff on that day. Um, allegedly, the I can't remember which manager it was. It was it Lambert at that point. I think it was Paul Lambert. Yeah, yeah. Um, Rumoured to have said he's never heard a player speak to his manager like in the way Tomlin spoke. But you never know where these things come from. Um, but yeah, he had a huge row, and Tomlin. Yeah, it almost felt as if. John, I don't know what Johnson, Johnson was almost maybe trying to prove a point to him almost by sticking him out wide and he apparently had one of his well pretty well, his worst game for City he didn't by get, any means he didn't, he didn't get the ball Paul uh, uh, he know, didn't get the ball he didn't yeah. work back he didn't protect the full back he didn't do anything of any value whatsoever and it was he was in and out after that but it was pretty much the last time he was what would you, what would you call a regular starter at that point and that, yeah it started to unravel now what what we know since is two or three weeks after that is still still allegedly so I can't uh, say too much but he who's then involved in an incident up in Leicester um, in early January after, in a, after a nightclub. So a bit of Ben Stokes about it, I think. Um, and, that, and that case is pending um, pending a hearing. But at that point, he apparently then moved up to Leicester pretty much full-time when the club weren't 100% aware of that. So he was driving in and out from Leicester every day down to Bristol um, to be near his family. And I'm not sure whether his wife reined him in or what happened, but it all just started to fall apart for him, certainly at that point. And, and for us, I say, it was it was the last time I think we probably went and played um, in a certain style in a certain way. Because what Johnson did after that, he really tried to shut up shop. Which, when you look at our results, didn't actually work. We conceded three goals in the next two games. But he tried to shut up shop. He tried to get eight men behind the ball, two lines of four. But what all that did was left Tammy Abraham, who was having a fantastic season, obviously, so isolated um, that we just couldn't we couldn't get going. And I think Johnson was lost. Johnson was wallowing a little bit. He was struggling to know what to do next. He didn't know what to do with Freeman. He didn't know what to do with Tomlin. He didn't know how to stop the goals going in at the other end because we conceded, you know, an awful lot of goals in this run as well. And we never looked like keeping a clean sheet. And yeah, it was all, all pretty dire at that point, I must admit. Wow. Um, I'm quite glad you said that because that's pretty much the exact analysis we gave. I remember doing our show and the, the fact that Abraham still scored was just because he's just buzzed and was pacey and powerful well, yeah. and you know he he only needs one or two chances and to get the ball and he'll probably stick one of them and he's that kind of that kind of good good player but yeah I was kind of looking at this and you think you have Tomlin and Freeman and you're playing through Wilbraham this this doesn't make you know this doesn't make yeah. sense to me and Wilbraham has been a great servant for us and um you know he, he he had a role to play certainly but it was probably more a uh, last 20 minutes at that point and Coming, we saw him yeah, from coming. Bolton a couple of weeks ago, Paul, and he's he's still as huge as ever. And but I think he's got even slower if that's if that's at well, all possible. Well, funny enough, we so we played him on Tuesday night. And, oh, did I he mean, play? He, yeah, he he came on as a sub and he, he got a standing ovation from our fans. <laughs> and he was, I mean, he was hugely popular with us. He was our sort of club captain. He was our most experienced player when we got promoted. He scored twenty goals a year. We went up, um, and has done a really great job for us. So yeah, he, he got um. 
got a standing ovation when coming on, and then he actually got booked for standing on one of our players, and the home crowd booed a referee for booking him. <laughs> so uh, it was all we were t- we were tuning up by then and cruising. So it's a bit of a fun fun part of the evening. But yeah, he is a great servant for us. But yeah, it, Johnson was struggling then, as you say. He started playing. Johnson's always like playing good football, you know, passing football in 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 and out, one twos, lots of li- little neat of play and we at that point we were just lumping it forward and yeah we did that for the next three or four weeks and I think suddenly something clicked in him and you had we, we got to change this and it's sort of uh you're trying to grind out results I think that's what you're trying to do interesting so look let's let's talk about Johnson let me give you these facts first because this is just the most bipolar football season you'll ever see if you look at the results so <laughs> I had a look at this last night first 11 games you scored 20... So if you divide the season into quarters, roughly, yeah. the first quarter, you scored 20 points, 1.81 points per game. That would have got you fourth place over the course of the season. Yeah. Okay? Next 25 games, you scored 15 points, which, um, other than Rotherham, who were totally appalling, would have had you second bottom with only 27 points. So just, you know, not a bad run, a catastrophically bad run. Final 10 games... 19 points, even better than the start of the season, would have had you in third place. So it's yeah. basically either promote, third place or fourth place. So high playoff form, pushing for second place, or abject, disgusting, terrible. Now, we have a, we have a little bit of fun with Lee Johnson on our show because he does some quite um, funny interviews, let's just say. Yeah. Um, he, do, do you see him coming across a little bit slippery sometimes when you, when you see him interviewed and can you explain this completely bipolar streaky either promotion form or bottom place form yeah so, um so yeah i think in, he's, a, he's a chirpy cockney he's a chirpy character um i think there are some who feel he's got a bit of a used car salesman um, yes ex- exactly you nailed it in a yes. little bit yes i mean i think he's a very he's a very smart used car salesman he's very very when he's be- not trying to sound classist at all, but he's done. He's invested his money from football very well. He's a very wealthy man. He's got a lot of property, um, so he doesn't need to be a manager in that sense. Um, he's very smart and suave of it, and very smooth. But I, you can sort of see where people are coming from. But his dad was like that. His dad was very chirpy. He was always um, good for one-liners. I mean, Gary was always on TV and on Sky as a sort of special guest because you know they wanted a, they wanted that sort of character on. And Lee's the same. You know, he's that sort of. You know, literally chip off your block. Um, I think it's the sort of thing as well that when you're doing well and he makes a little joke at the end of an interview or a little comment, everyone loves it and finds it brilliant. When you're eight games into a losing run yeah. and he kind of is saying the same thing and trying to be a little bit... He's got this habit, and I think it's a great habit personally, but some don't. He was, yeah, he does smile and he smiles, sort of smile grimaces, if you know what I mean. When you've lost eight in a row and he's smiling and into you, that doesn't go down too well. Now, I think he's trying to almost keep himself pucker, keep himself positive and trying to raise spirits around the camp. And I think that's perfectly legitimate to do, but it didn't go down too well. And I think, you know, he's fair play to him and he must have got some terrific abuse at that point last season. He was getting tons on social media. He's he's a, you know, vertically challenged guy. He's not the tallest. (laughs) And there were lots of comments about that on Twitter, there were bed sheets hung on the bridges around Bristol saying Johnson out, Johnson out dwarf, that sort of stuff. All sorts of personal abuse. And it, that can't be nice. Whatever you're doing, whatever your job is, you shouldn't have to go through that. And 
fair play to him. He's got his head down. He's sorted out what he wants at a club. Um, so in terms of that form, so I think when you look back now, I think the start of the season was probably still a little bit of a momentum and a bit of a bounce. He came in, funny enough, he replaced Steve Cottrell for January before. Um, Steve Cottrell, who, by the way, has just got the Birmingham job live on air. Oh, has he? seen come up on my phone. Yeah, he has, oh, yeah. Um, he replaced Steve Cottrell in January. He kept us up, played some good football, brought Tomlin in on loan. Tomlin was our saviour. We played some good football. You know, we hammered a couple of teams at the end of the season. Um, took Sheffield Wednesday apart, I remember, in, in April that season when they were heading for playoffs. Um, and, yeah, it all looked good. And I think he carried a lot of that momentum into the start of the season. He managed to get the, the new signings worked. Tammy Abraham came in and started scoring goals straight away in this, you know, as I said, this pacey attacking side that Johnson wanted to build. And so we went to Craven Cottage and absolutely, hammered Fulham 4-0 and you know, you know where Fulham end of the season and oh, it was just Fulham, a tremendous performance Fulham demolished us twice last season yeah, and already um, once this season yeah and yeah, we, we, just, we, we were just on fire and we went, we went there three days later funny enough in the League Cup and won again you know we were, we were in really good form and we came up against um, Neil Warnock in his first game for Cardiff when he came in in middle end of October and Warnock did what Warnock does and he put six six footers in there plus you know right down the middle of a team and Tom and actually had one of his better games that night. Parlix was on Sky, and he does perform for Sky. Um, but he actually had one of his better games, but they bullied us, and they won 2-1, and, and for all of our trickery and our pace and our nice football we wanted to play, I just, I've always sensed that gave Johnson a little bit of a, a jolt to his confidence that that's the way we could play and, and succeed, because I think he felt, well, if teams are going to start just bullying us, we're going to struggle here, we need to do something different. And he just started messing around with team a little bit and tweaking form formation and tweaking players and it just all started to unravel and then once he started losing it was it, I mean, the momentum again it just worked in complete reverse it was like you had a big massive lever and he just stuck it from one direction to another and we were suddenly going backwards and you couldn't get out of it um and yeah we were like that as you say for what 20 odd games was it 20 something games in the middle of a season 20, it, was just, it was dreadful yeah dreadful 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 runner form yeah we only beat Rotherham and I think you guys and got a couple of points here and there um, and it we just I think just towards the end of January so we just started to grind out one or two results and it got to a game uh, funny enough I, I put a post up yesterday about we went to Preston away on a Tuesday night when we were still in trouble um, and we lost 5-0 we got absolutely hammered by Preston and the goals were those sort of horrible goals you don't want to see as a fan where defenders didn't seem to care. They, were, yeah. they weren't challenging the headers. They weren't sticking their body on the line. They, they were just letting their men run past them. And two or three players in particular were singled out that night by me on my reports and also seemingly by Johnson because they didn't play again that season. Um, and, and after that game, we actually only lost one more game. Um, we just had a real turnaround. Um, and it's all been a lot better and fun. Funny enough, since that game, which was in early March, middle of March last year, um, including cup games, we've played 19 games and won 11 and drawn six and only lost two. So, you know, two two defeats in 19 games is suddenly back to that early form. And I think Johnson just seemed to say, right, enough of this shit, or to be honest. Let's get back to playing how I want to play football. I'm going to play it how I want to play. I'm going to bring in the players I want to play. Tomlin barely played again. Freeman had gone by that point. Um, a couple of... Uh, are those the three players you were talking soft. about in the Preston game? A couple of soft, no, no, a couple of softer players about. So a guy called Jens Hegler who come in was a mistake for a couple of goals, and and Magnus 
centre back, and they barely played again last season. They played a bit this year, but I think Johnson realised they weren't up to it, to be honest. And they're very much squad players now, and having been in the first team, and he just, yeah, to be fair to him, he switched it around. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Delivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Um... We brought Bailey Wright in from Preston, who's been really solid. He's very, he's not the most exciting player. He's not going to get fans off their seats, but he's a tough Aussie defender and real tough cookie. And he's added a bit of resolution to our back line. He signed Nathan Baker back in the summer. And we suddenly got with Baker, Flint and Wright, three really old school, old school, tough defenders, you know, who, and we look, you know, we've kept six clean sheets already this season, which is a, a marked difference the last year. So, I think Johnson really worked out after that Preston game what he needed to do with the team, how he wanted to play and what he needed at back to just make us a lot more solid and, and you know, really try and progress. Great stuff, yeah. Um, that will lead us nicely in then to the pre-season ins and outs. So I've got here Baker, um, Eliasson and forgive me, how do I pronounce this guy's name? D-A-D-U? Yeah, good question. D-A-D-U, I think is the way, yeah. go with... They were the biggest fees in. Um, Tomlin, Little and Wilbraham out. And can you just talk a little bit as well in the um, as in the squad regeneration, not losing Flint? Because he's kind of the... Um, <laughs> and obviously, well, I wouldn't consider you or I in this thing. But when people don't know a lot about championship football, they always there's always one or two players who they say, oh, he's the best player to centre-back. Yeah. And Flint's now that guy, isn't he? He's like, oh, yeah. where you want to get Flint from Bristol City, you know. But he is very, and he um, always plays well um, against us. So talk a bit about the players in and out and keeping Flint as well. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, the biggest out there who didn't really mention, I guess, is Tammy Abraham. We, oh, I mean, course, he was, sorry. Yeah, he, was yeah. never, he was never coming back. He was on loan, obviously, from Chelsea. But, you know, to replace 
25 goals and it wasn't just the goals of Tammy, he was just superb. He was a great little footballer and I, I really hope that Swansea signing Boney doesn't mean he get, he misses out this year. But um, yeah, I think mean, I mean, Wilbraham and Little were, you know, they, they'd done their time. They weren't quite up to it at a championship level um, at, that, at that point. Um, so that was fine. Um, Abraham going, Tomlin hadn't really been in the team, as I said, much since January. So to get something approaching three million for him, I think everyone was absolutely delighted with it by the time he left. Left, um, to be honest, um, and yeah, we brought in so Deju was the replacement for Abraham. I think Johnson at the time was at Payne season. He's not a direct replacement. He's you know he's a bit different sort of striker, and I think we've seen that he's more big, of a big fee, Paul. Big, it's a huge fee, um, and I think that's the big yeah that's the big risk. Um, I, I suspect to a certain extent the fee was elevated by the fact he came from the same club as we signed Jonathan Codger from. Right. Okay. Um, so I wonder if they sort of sold him for two million. Million, seen that we've gone and sold him for 15 a year later and gone, oh, we're going to double our fees then. And it's kind of almost just happened like that. But um, yeah, but that, that's always a possibility, I guess. He's, he's, he's a big, strong guy. He's taken a bit of time to get used to the British football, I think. And I think he'll still continue to. He's He's got to learn how to use his frame and his pace he's got to the best effect. And that'll come. But what we have had this year is Bobby Reed, who's been an academy kid for, well, 10 years plus the club he's 24 now he's never really probably broken into the team he's never really managed to find himself a spot he's struck up his partnership with Digio up front and he's just absolutely getting on the end of everything and he's top scorer in the whole league which is quite remarkable having always played midfield before um but yeah Baker at the back has been a you know great signing he's I say he's proper old school he, he he's a sort of guy if you could still do it he, he's the one who'd be snapping in two-footed on the strikers Achilles in the first minute if, you know in the 80s he's that sort of defender he, he's still Still tries to do that a little bit and gets the yellow card for it now. But um, proper, proper hard man. Bailey Riser says came in in January and he's been important for us. We signed a guy from Italy to play right back, although Wright's been playing there. Um, trying to go for our team now, I think. So Elias, we've, we've got about six wingers now. Eliasson's one of them and he's been a bit of a bit part. And Eliasson's almost one of these moneyball type signings. And Johnson, okay. even, in, even in his interview, said we looked at his stats and all of his all of his information and couldn't resist buying him was pretty much his quote unquote um we obviously seen him as well but they just said he's got unbelievable stats for a player of his age whatever that means in his day and age <laughs> but um you know he, he's going to be i think a, you know a squad player for the next couple of you know year or so um yeah we got we got to say we got eight or nine players all under 26 in the four positions all you know plowing on great competition for places I and mean, we've we've played in the league cup and the squad's really Pretty much got two players for every position now, which you always want, don't you? And you've got to keep those players happy. But we played in the League Cup against um, Stoke and Watford. And although Sky Sports News don't mention it, because they always mention the Premier League changes, we've actually made more changes than both those teams in both those games and come out of a win, you know, in both occasions. So we made nine changes in the last match, played our reserve team, and they came in and absolutely dominated Stoke 2-0. And that's some of the players like Eliasson came in and, and Magnussen came in and Hegler, I'd talked about before so everyone's stepping up to mark and everyone's on it at the moment um flint i mean really split the fan base as you can probably imagine he's a hero to us he scores a ridiculous number two, of goals for a defender. Two in one game against Ipswich. um well he scored it previous so in our promotion season he scored 15 <laughs> in the season love it and finished it with a hat finished actually with a hat trick against warsaw in the final game including a back heel rabona r- ridiculous goal for a <laughs> six foot six and a half i mean he 
he's he's been a hero for us. I think his agent had a little bit of a mad summer. I think he got a bit greedy, wondering where he could go. Um, Birmingham were very much in for him and, you know, just never met the fee. To be fair to Johnson, I think he handled it absolutely spot on. He he took him out of the team when the rumours were starting and maybe saw Flint was better than Sassel. So Flint didn't play during August, apart from the first game. Um, Flint was out of the team. We all assumed he was going. But the second he wasn't going, he's been back in the squad. Um, didn't get straight back in. He actually only came in through injury. But since he's back in, been back in through injury, he's been immense again. And he's a sort of defender. He wins every header. You know, he, he doesn't. He actually missed one at Wolves and they score, which is just almost unheard of and you know, real shock. But he, he doesn't miss a header. He clears every long ball that comes in, especially when we've got Baker alongside, and they both do that now. And he's just such a threat in the opposition area as well. You know, he's he scored. I think it's three in five games now, and he scored thirty-one goals or something like that in the last three. Seasons from defence, which is just you know an incredible record, and who's a striker? You'd be paying five million for him just for his goals. This is filling me with dread now. <laughs> oh, he, he, had a, he had two deflections in his three, so it's been a little bit of luck in it. But uh, yeah, but well, if you're an Ipswich got... fan, there's there's always this thing of right. There's a six foot six defender who scores loads and loads of goals. Who are we going to leave our mark <laughs> for this corner? Do you know? Do you know what I mean? It's like, and then you look at the goal afterwards, and you go, right? Did anyone not think to to pick up the six foot six guy who always scores? But no, sorry, get, carry on. <laughs> no, as I was say, we've got a dreadful record at Portman Road anyway, so I'm sure you'll be all right. Okay. Um, um, yeah, I think, I think, yeah. In terms of signing, that's probably you know about it. So we've got good quality cover everywhere. You know, we've got guys who can come in and. Yeah, we're rotating three in central midfield. Um, Marlon Pat, Corey Smith, and Josh Brownhill three into two, and they seem to be rotating quite nicely. And all all can play together. Um, we're back four solid. Um, we brought in Corley Woodrow from Fulham, who looks a decent alternative to DJ if we need it up front. And yeah, we've uh, so we've got you know young, exciting squad at the moment. I think the, the challenge will come if we lose one or two. There'll be a lot of memories in that side from last year, and it's how we get through that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so let's just do quickly. I mean, I think you've probably covered it. Um, I've got down here. So unbeaten since 12th of August, um, three wins also in the EFL cup. Um, only one league defeat as well. Um, few draws in there. Um, so standout players and standout performances from, from this season so far. So, I mean, Bobby Reed, as I've said, yeah, I mean, he's just, and it's not just his goals, he's come in and he just adds so much energy to a team from up front, so he's, he's always been one of those players who's probably not been big enough or strong enough to play in midfield, um, in the centre, so there's a tendency to then stick him out wide, and then he's not quite quick enough or tricky enough to be a winger, and he's never really found his position, but he's been playing this sort of number 10 role, but, well, a little bit more further forward probably than number 10, but he just, he, he harasses the defence. And as he harasses the defensive midfielders, um, really does lead the defending from the front. And I think that's what we're trying to do this year is, um, you know, all the, the front four, the two wingers and the two forwards, all right on the, the you know, the, the toes of the defenders in front of them, not letting them settle. Um, I heard an interview the other day with um, Dean Holden. He was saying that um, one of the games we played this year, I can't remember who it was now, um, come to me. Oh, Yap Stam at Reading. Apparently... They spoke to Yap Stam after the game, and the Reading he said the Reading centre half came in at half time and said, "We haven't got any time. We can't. You know, we've, we've, we've not played anyone like this this season because our guys were just absolutely on them the whole time." And it's that really high intensity pressing game that Johnson's trying to get over. Um, now the fear is that you'll run out of steam at some point during the yeah, season, which quiet. is why, of course, we've got, yeah, 
we've got a, a biggish squad. Hopefully, we can rotate nicely. But that's how we're playing. So he's been great. Um, Joe Bryan has turned into a top quality left back in the last sort of six months. I'd say he's always been a little bit stuck between left back, left wing back, and left winger. Um, I think people felt that he wasn't quite good enough as a defender to be left back. But um, I mean, Harry Redknapp wanted him in the summer. And he, you know, whatever you think about Harry, he's no mug when it comes to signing players. Um, he wanted him as left back, and Brian started the season superbly. Say so Baker and Wright and Flint at the back, um, all be very strong. Marlon Pack and Corey Smith in the midfield. Josh Brownhill. I mean, you know, it's, no one's. There's a few in and out, but you know, they have their good games, and they if they don't have a good game, they can come off after an hour and be replaced by someone who's equally as good. So it's all, yeah. Feeling super optimistic here, which means we're probably going to lose four 0 on Saturday. But yeah, it's all, all looking pretty good at the moment. Don't we're in the same we're in the same thing after you know a really yeah. poor season last year. It's like are we are we allowed to enjoy this? You know, um, right? So and totally unexpected, I guess, as well in a way because I mean, we again we, we we have signed some players and you kind of we're on this upward curve and you sort of feel it might have happened. But I mean, you guys are say probably not. You're probably quite uh, surprised at where you are, are you? Well, until Tuesday. Yes, because we um, we had some wins that were purely down to mix in game um, tweakery and um, shutting people out, and you know what you would call um, one yeah. off uh, one off game tactics. You know, look, we're going to do this today. This is not how we're going to play the whole time. Do you know what I mean? And we we got through like that. Yeah. But on Tuesday, yeah. uh, we beat Sunderland five two, and it was it was excellent. It was it was like no, this this isn't a and again, we we lost three two at Leeds on on Saturday, and I, I said on my um my YouTube um thing that was the best we played we played all season. We were pinging it about, and a Leeds fan. I I always sit as high up as I can, so I sat in the Leeds fans. Leeds fan behind me was like, "Oh, they knock it around lovely," and it's kind of like, "Wow, you know, we we really we really haven't." And um, so I would have said surprised, um, but since Tuesday, I mean, again, I don't want to don't want to count any chickens, but um, yeah. It's, it, on Tuesday, we were, you know, we were actually like, oh, this actually looks like a team that can um, that can play together and and do well. But um, <laughs> so, so we're both we're both likely to lose four 0 Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah my, my, <laughs> minus four, minus four will be the score. Um, I think you've pretty much done it. But can you mark our card for for the team and a possible system, Paul? Yeah, so we've been playing. We've been playing. Well, I'll say four four two, straight four four one one. So you got Frank Fielding in goal, um, Bailey Wright, Flint Baker, and Joe Bryan at the back. Uh, Marlon Pack's actually suspended. He picked up his fifth yellow on Tuesday night. So Josh Brownhill coming alongside Corey Smith in the sort of central midfield. Um, the wingers could be any two of um, Callum O'Dowder, probably probably him, and maybe Jonathan Lecker. You might get to see who. Had a, an unbelievably good game against Derby. He's on loan from West Brom, the England and 19s national. He's lightning quick. Um, tied Richard Keogh up in knots in that game and, and won a penalty just from barely touching the ball with his quick feet. Um, so he, he'd be exciting if he plays, hopefully. And then Bobby Reed and either Deidre or Callum, Callum Woodrow up front, depending if Corey Woodrow, sorry, if they uh, decide to give Deidre a rest, but probably Reed and Deidre up front. And you, from what you're saying, it's very energetic and trying to kind of hem the other team in with energy, yeah? Yeah, yeah well, it is. And we, we play some direct balls. I mean, I say, DJ's been brought in. You can play some direct balls up to him. But at that point, then, he's he's not flicking it on for someone like in the old school long ball style. He's holding it up and bringing 
Bobby Reed into a game or the wingers or you know some you know someone behind him. So at that point, I've got Jamie Patterson. He'd be playing on the wide with sorry our winger, you know someone else with quick feet. So we sort of get it get it into the final third and then try and knock it around with lots of little one twos and lots of little dinks and flicks and all sorts of things. And uh, yeah. It's good to watch. So what will be of interest to you, Paul, is that there's been three defeats for Ipswich this season. The one at Leeds, I would put down to the occasion and the lack of concentration that they were top of the league and 34,000 in. The one at Fulham, they just passed us to death and mullered us. But the one that will interest you, we lost to QPR because of the intensity of their their pressing and how they they swarmed all over us. So one of our defeats has come from... um, from that sort of tactic dare I say your passing will probably be a little bit more sophisticated than um, QPR gave the ball away a lot but they certainly kind of pressed us into submission and yeah we we couldn't cope with it so there is um you know there is form for that this season sounds good <laughs> <laughs> um one thing I have to no, raise so got... so, sorry I just okay one thing I have to raise these appalling gifts that Bristol City Put out. Not appalling. Where, every time, so every time Bristol City score, there's some gif with a guy dancing or with a fire extinguisher. Can you justify this? Just frankly heinous behaviour, please. <laughs> I'll be totally honest. When I first saw them, I thought they were cringy. Um, <laughs> they've, I think they've grown all of us, and I think the fact that people have. A- Clubs hate them, makes you love them even more as it's your club. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a great, I mean, you know, you, it's exactly what it is. It's a great social media asset. Um, I mean, I saw a tweet yesterday. Someone was saying that when Ronaldo scored for Real Madrid on Tuesday night, Real Madrid got 11,000 interactions. We've had 40,000 of Aiden Flint's GIF from Tuesday night. So, and a million plus views of a video. And as a social media team, that's job done, isn't it? You know, you're getting the awareness. We've been on BBC Sport. Being BBC Three have done a Mickey take of it. Um, Paddy Power and um, the Sports Mole and something else have also, you know, pretty much said the best tweet of a year, that sort of stuff. So, you know, it it's a social media thing. I think we did some at the start of the season. They've gone down well. They've actually now re-recorded. So, Aidan Flint from the other night, which has gone pretty much all around the country and trended, was a, 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 a his second one of the season and very much a little bit more daring, as you can probably see if you've seen it. And mm. I think the players love it. What what's good is the players all want to score they want to get their chip up on Twitter but some of the players that haven't scored are shooting from anywhere just to try and score I think just so they can have their gif come up and um, we're waiting to see Marlon Pax especially apparently that's a pretty special one um, but yeah, it won't be Saturday because I say he's suspended but now the fans love it um, the players obviously really enjoy it they're having a lot of stick over it but also a lot of you know praise for having a bit of fun and I think it's you know, one of those little things that I was saying to someone the other day if you're on a bad run and these are happening the fans go off on one they hate it I mean what are you doing hitting around with all that you know just get a concert on the football get on with the game when you're on a winning run it's the sort of thing you'll remember for 10 years you know it's that sort of that sort of thing you know that happens sometimes when you're on a good run okay you've kind of sold me a little bit it does still, <laughs> does still feel like the the Piers Morgan uh Katie Hopkins kind of you know st- style of well any traction is good traction even if it winds everybody up but but there we go. Um, so, any kind of prediction or forecast for tomorrow and then move on to the um, rest of the season, Paul? Oh, I think, as I sort of said, you know, the form we're in, you, you should be confident. I think, you know, you really should be confident. I think, you know, from what you've said about the teams you've lost to as well, it does give you extra confidence. 
I think for what happened last year, it's too, it's hard to be you know too confident. Yeah, it really is. Um, if we come and bring our A game, I think we'll win. I think we're 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 good enough to beat most teams in this league when we play as well as we can. Um, but yeah, that doesn't always happen. You know, one or two injuries. And I say we've got a dreadful record at Portman Road. I think it was was it nineteen seventy eight we last won there. Oh, pass. Um, it's twelve twelve games, isn't it? Something like that. So yeah. I think if we came away with a draw, I think we you know you, we're winning your home games, draw your away games. We we're happy with a draw at Carrow Road last week. I think if you you know you travel all that way and get a point, the form we've been in, you know, go into the international break with with a point and make sure you don't you know don't lose. Um, we're still unbeaten. The unbeaten run main, is maintained. I think we'd be happy with that. So I'll go. Go for a. Seems we're both high scoring and we both score a load of goals. We're trying to attack. I go for a nil-nil draw. <laughs> and and what about for the for the rest of the season? And is there in the back of your mind the danger of one of these horrible runs looming um, if you do get one defeat? Yeah, there's got to be, hasn't there? I think having done, you know, we were in the same position as this last year. We were well, we were higher. We were fifth in the league at this point last year, not seventh. So, but we were we were. It was different. I think as you sort of indicated just now. Now it's which we we were we were scraping wins last season. We were win, apart from the Fulham game, we were winning games by one goal and two or three of the games we'd won in the 88th, 89th minute. And you sort of think, well, how long is that going to last? You know, how long are you going to be to keep that up and keep doing that? And, and as it turned out, we didn't. We yeah, with Baker and Wright, we're a lot more solid, um, a lot more solid defensively, a lot more organised. We've got more leaders on the pitch. You know, I can I can think of five or six, maybe even seven people in the team who have been captain at one point. And that's not to say Johnson throws it around liberally, but yeah, when players are in and out of the team, he can almost hand it to almost half a team and they can be captain because we've got leaders and we've got people who've you know, grown up together in the dressing room now and one or two more have come in. So I think we're a bit stronger. Will we finish top six? I doubt it, if I'm honest. I think if we finish top half of the table, that's a real progression from last year. Stay well clear of relegation zone, have a bit of excitement and a few good games in, in and around. And yeah, I think we'd be happy with you know ultimately happy with something ninth or twelfth in the league you know if we're in the top six all season and then we finish 10th we won't be obviously but at this point I think most people would still be happy with that sort of finish in the league and you know then you go again you buy one or two players in the summer you know you shift one or two around you know get one or two weak links sorted out and then hopefully next season you you can press on and you know push on again and, and carry on going at the league great you, you sound exactly like um like the Ipswich fans do you've got because you've had a level set last year that's not great, you've got in the back of your head, look, if we get the top half, um, you know, great. Um, yeah. But you kind of, we're like checking our expectations at the end of each month. And, you know, we're a kind of pragmatic lot. If it gets to, I don't know, if it gets to February and we're still eighth or yeah. ninth or something, yeah. then you'll you'll actually say, look, we're, we're not going to finish 15th now. You know, we, we're going to finish in the top half and let's, let's, change the, let's change the expectations, so to speak. Um, right. Yeah. I, think, I think the football's good as well. And you're, you, you guys are saying you're scoring goals. And I think if, if you're scoring goals and playing good football, especially at home, you almost don't mind being mid-table as long as you've been entertained. No, it's fine, it's, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, if, you're, if you're scraping 1-0 wins in a turgid, horrible, long-ball football, then you, know, you may as well not bother going on most but you don't mind if you're being entertaining and seeing good football i think that's where we are at the moment absolutely absolutely right we've been having a bit of fun with all our um all our uh uh people who come on this year um we're asking for your favorite player not the best player but your your favorite player which had a player called mick stockwell who was just 
incredible. Um, no one would probably have heard of him from other clubs, but if you ask Ipswich <laughs> fans, you know. So it could be him. It doesn't necessarily have to be Kevin Beatty or, or Marcus Stewart or John Walker yeah. or whatever. So um, who's your, who's your, um, how long have you been watching Paul? And um, well, about 30, 35 years now. 30, right, so we should get a good one from you then. So your, your favourite Bristol City player and why? So mine, I think, would still just about... Yeah, the last few years we've had some good players and they've come through and we all got three club legends all involved in the club as well in one way or another Lewis Carey Scott Murray Brian Tinian who all played hundreds of games for us in the 90s uh, all proper legends and all still involved but I think my favourite still has to be uh, someone called Jackie Jakanowski uh, Darius Jakanowski Polish international came down from Celtic I think he only played about 50 games for us but scored 15 or 20 goals his skill and his touch were just absolutely magical um, and he is actually the partner of Andy Cole when Cole came in on loan for us and scored a bucket load of goals. Um, but just a magic touch. I remember played on um, we played on match of the day one night in the FA Cup because there's a lot of games snowed off, so we were picked. Um, and John Motson commentated on this and described Jakonowski as not not even being I can't remember the exact term now not not being on this pitch. He's, he's like he's come from a different planet. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was one of those performances from Jakonowski. Just you you paid money to go and watch him. Um, Unfortunately, off the pitch, he used to drink a lot and was a bit of a womanizer. And there was all sorts of rumours about who it was exactly he was womanizing, um, which didn't go down too well at the club. And uh, he didn't last too long. But while he was here for a season and a half or whatever it was, he was uh, yeah, a fantastic player to watch. And as a probably about twelve years old at that point, yeah, just a, a magical player to sort of hero worship. What great answer, because. Our, our listeners are going to love the ones... I've never heard of that guy. They're going to love the ones <laughs> with the classic classic stories. Where did he go after after Bristol City then? Oh, that's a good question. He's been all around... Um, I think he went to Legia Warsaw for a bit. So okay, so back out 60, into Europe. He played 62 times for Poland. So he, yeah, he scored 20 goals for Poland, so he was uh, pretty well known at that point. Um, but yeah, a real fan, proper fan's favourite who probably frustrated managers in, in, uh, and delighted them in equal measure. Darius Jakanowski, amazing scenes. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm off on YouTube after we've done this. Then to look. <laughs> oh yeah, you'll see. Find that game. I think it was against Leicester. I'll, uh, I'll send it to you if not. It's yeah, worth, yeah, worth yeah, yeah. Did, did tweet it to us and take us into that. Would be amazing. Um, awesome stuff, Paul. I, th- I think, I think we covered everything. So, um, let me just do my plugs and then we'll give you the last word. So, this is the Blue Monday podcast. We now have three podcasts per week. This obviously is the preview show that comes out every Friday or there or thereabouts, depending on how busy I've been during the week. Um, on Wednesdays, you can listen to This Week in ITFC History with Statman and Dave. And on Monday, it's me and Dave with the, sorry, Dave and I with the flagship um, show. Um, you can subscribe, obviously, on Acast or Apple Podcasts. Um, actually, I just did the iOS 11 update, and Apple Podcasts is greatly improved. Um, so <laughs> that m- might be worth heading back that way after it's been so terrible. Um, Twitter is at Blue Monday ITFC. You can my personal Twitter at Benjamin Bloom. Paul is at the Exiled Robin. If you want to just send him a tweet to say thank you for smartening us all up ahead of the game, we're on Facebook.com, uh, Blue Monday ITFC there as well. Follow my YouTube match videos, uh, Benjamin Bloom on there. And of course, if you want to support the podcast, you can buy a T-shirt. Just look in our Twitter bio, and we'll, we'll maybe we'll stick some new designs in there soon. Um, Paul, thank you so much for. Um, for coming on you've been great would you be able to just do us the the last word um and 
Well, I can't think when the return game is. We'd, obviously, we'd love to talk to you again for the, for the return game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's later on in the season this time, isn't it? Near yeah, March time, maybe. Right, okay. Yeah, of course. So, yeah, um, not a lot more to say. I think I'd say keep looking after Cole Scoots for us. Pop Bristol boy. Did a good job for us. Um, and uh, hopefully after Saturday, you keep having a good season. It's good to see someone challenging the, the, the most recent Premier League teams coming down and having a bit of a surprise out there. So keep it up and good luck for the rest of the season after Saturday. Great stuff. See you later, Paul. Bye, cheers, thank you. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.